Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. Good morning, everyone. Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? God, there's no better place to be, and uh, I'm biased. I don't think there's a better church to be at than here at Cultivate. We're in the final week of All About the Benjamins. If you got your notes, go ahead and pull those out. We're going to follow along through those today. Uh, We're in week four. I almost said week three. We're in the last installment of Through the Church, Through the Church. And um, week one, we talked about just giving ourselves to God. Ultimately, that I am not an owner. God is an owner. I am a manager. And for us to take our name off of ownership and give it back to him, and God teach me, David said it this way, God, give me sense enough to follow your word. He knew it. He said, God, just give me sense enough just to follow your word, whatever that looks like. And we talked about what that looks like for us, how to give God everything, surrender completely, even our money. Week two, we talked about money dreams. What does it look like for us to manage? If we are a manager, not an owner, what does it look like for me to practically manage resources as God brings them my way. Because we we realize throughout this series that the Bible talks about money a whole lot of times, doesn't it? A whole lot. Over 800 times it's mentioned directly. 2,200 times it's mentioned somehow, indirectly or directly, in some way, form, or fashion. And there's a reason for that. We believe, I believe with my heart, the two two greatest things I think that culture has um, redefined in our lifetime are sex and money. And ironically, isn't that something, that that is something historically two things that the church have avoided talking about. God has a reason. God has a design. He has an opinion on how we should treat those things. Money is one of them. And if we don't talk about it in a way that would honor God, how in the world would we know that there, how to actually do that? I didn't grow up in a Christian home per se. And like, we didn't pray a lot or open the Bible a lot in my home. And the things that I learned about, like principles of life, that I learned in my life growing up came largely by what I saw on television. (laughs) And what I learned about money and church is what I saw on TBN around the world. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's what I learned. So I learned. I wanted God's blessing. I needed to send a gift of $100. And uh, and, uh, I didn't do that. So I grew up thinking maybe I didn't get blessed by God kind of thing. But that's People think culture teaches us if we don't allow God to teach us. And God has a purpose and a plan. It's for him to be glorified and for us to be blessed as a result. So week two, we talked about managing it appropriately. And here's what we also said. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to practically apply biblical principles to your life and see the benefit of it. You could be here today and go, I don't really know about this faith thing. But I can tell you, if you'll, you'll practically apply biblical principles in, as it relates to your finances, even if you're not following Jesus, if you apply that into your everyday life, guess what you'll start seeing? Increase. You'll start seeing reality of your finances doing better. Why? Because it's not just this hokey thing. It's a biblical principle that works. God's way works. Save, spend, and give. We talked about the 80-20 principle. I save 10%, I give 10%, and I live off of the rest. That's a biblical principle that honors God and that will begin to show fruitfulness in your life. And then last week, we talked about work. Work. Come on. We've all been there. Some of us are there. Like, we hate our jobs. You are in company. 
not in good company, but you're in the majority company, right? 88% of people, 87% of people don't like their jobs. They say 77% of people hate their jobs. Come on, we're the ones on, on Monday mornings going like 37 times, like, why do I have to do this? And we think it's because I need a paycheck. But we talked last week about our jobs are far greater than our paychecks. Come on, God can give you money any way he chooses to give you money. Jesus said, "I hey, we, what do you mean we got to pay some taxes? Okay, y'all go get that fish out of the pond over there. There's some silver in it. We'll pay taxes that way. Like, he can give you money. If all you're working for is money, that's why we're going... Like we need to understand the purpose behind the why. Like God's given us, he placed us in our jobs for a reason. Last week, we talked about what that looks like. I'd encourage you, maybe you had not been here, maybe this is your first week, log on to cultivatechurch.tv, download the podcast, listen to those messages. I really do believe they're helpful in your life, all right? Today, we're talking about what it looks like to do something together. We titled the message, Through the Church, Through the Church. If you've got your notes, Matthew 6, 24, This has been the crutch that we've leaned on. This has been the principle that we've leaned on all month long. It says, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money, to money. One translation, uh, old school translation says, you can't serve both God and mammon, mammon. Not just money, but possessions, stuff, the, the spirit of mammon, this idea that that becomes more important than other things in my life. And when you know that that's true, even as Israel is, uh, is, is, has been ransomed from Egypt in the Old Testament, the first thing God tells his children is, I am the Lord your God. Have no other gods before me. You can't serve. There can't be two kings in your life. There can't be two primary authorities in your life. It's one or the other. And what does it look like for us as a church, as a church to see the purpose and plan of God served out through us? So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you three things that I think really has turned the world upside down all of history, okay? So we call it the hope of the world. And then I'm gonna give you some practical things that I think happen as I participate in what we call the local church, all right? So let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word, that it's alive and breathing and real and for us. I pray that this is not just another day that we woke up and come to church, that we marked a checkbox off of our list and our planners, or on our iPads or iPhones or Androids or other devices. I pray that today you do what only you can do, perform spiritual surgery on our hearts. God, let us leave here changed today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Come on, we all said it? Amen. Number one, the hope of the world is a unified church a unified church. We believe this with all of our hearts, that the local church is the hope of the world. Now, that's both good and bad. God had a plan. He said it's the local church. That's the good thing. The hope of the world. The bad thing is we're the church. <laughs> like, like that's us. I am the church. I exist for the world. Church is not a location. It is not a place. It's not a logo. It's not, um, it's not, an inst- it's not this like physical quote unquote institution that people would go to. Many of us think it's that. It's not that. We are the church and we exist for the what? Oh, come on. We're the church and we exist for the 
The world. We exist for the world. So the good news is God had a plan. The bad news is oftentimes his plan was us. <laughs> I know, I know that's depressing at times, right? Because we are at times like, oh man, you're the, you're the hope. Listen to what it says. Not just the church, but a unified church. Jesus' prayer. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one. God is we are one. And I am in them as you are in me. Here's the prayer. You want to underline this in your notes if you're taking notes. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as me. Come on, the power behind a unified church is that the world would know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. The power behind a unified church, meaning this, a bunch of people, human beings with breath in their lungs and the Holy Spirit living inside of them that is unified, that get, like we're unified around a purpose and a call of God on our lives to the extent that it happens to be that the world sees us and then sees God through us. Check out some of these facts. There's no single group in hu- human history has contributed more to education than Christians have. Do you guys know that? No single group. The entire university system that we see in our world today began through the local church. Do you know that? Most, like every major university that ever, like that existed, like that began the university system was because the local church wanted to advance education. No group in human history has contributed more to health care than Christians have. Now listen, I'm not saying a perfect people. I'm saying a unified people. You go, well, the church is responsible for a lot of bad things too, right? Like we are broken people, flawed people, but no greater good. Every major hospital, the church, the local church. Come on, you go, I don't know about that. Let's just look around our city today. What? St. Vincent's, the local church. Baptist Health, the local church. Like, health care in general was expanded and championed by the local church. The church is the largest single provider of health care and education in the world, working especially in some of the poorest countries where there is no other care available. The local church works largely around the world to provide health care and light in a dark world. If it wasn't for the church being unified around God's call, man, it would be a different place. Christians, more than anyone else, have contributed to the welfare and protection of children. No other group in human history has fought the slave trade more than Christians have. No other single group in human history has contributed more to the cause of charity than Christians have. In every natural disaster, wouldn't you know it, it's the local church that steps up, even quicker than the government, even quicker than, uh, than things that the world and culture think should step in and do the work. The local church steps in and loves cares and gives and serves people. The church, we really are the hope of the world. The purpose of unity around the gospel is that the world would know Jesus. Check this out, church. We have the power to answer the prayer of Jesus. How crazy is that? Here's his prayer. May they experience such perfect unity that the world would know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Here's what I've learned. The potential of what a group of people united around the vision of Jesus has given us, it's unlimited. 
It really is unstoppable. A united church is a force that the world cannot deny. A united church, looking back, is a force that the world cannot like turn. My hope is that us united in this particular local church, if we were to disappear tomorrow, there would be weeping in our city that there would be pain in our county because of what we were able to ben- how we were able to benefit the lives of people that we would be a unified church in the call that God has given us number 2 the hope of the world we are the hope of the world if we're a missional church if we're missional what does that mean here's what it says Ephesians 3 it says his intent was that now through the church everybody say through the church 1 2 3 Through the church, who's the church? I'm the church, we're the church, we're the church, we exist for the world. The manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that is accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that mean? That is a missional church, that is through the church, it's through us, it's through us operating on mission, on task, together, unified around a cause. Not that just the world, that the world would see us, the world would look at us and see God, but that the enemy would see us, it says through principalities and other regions, that the devil would see us and see fear. Church, that they would see us and that rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus, that as we live on mission, we shine the light on Jesus and we spread fear in the enemy. Like that there is a purposeful missional church making a difference in their spheres of influence. We are the church, we exist for the world. As a business owner, guess what? You're the church. It's not about just expanding a business for business sake. You are the church. You are the hope of the world. Come on, if I'm a floor sweeper, I am the church. If I'm a teacher, I am the church. If I work in politics, I am the church. If I'm a pastor, I am the church. No matter what you do, the church isn't a place. It's a people. It's a people. We are the church, and it's my responsibility to live every day on mission. What does that look like for cultivating our small part of the role to play? We will do anything short of sin to lead people to Jesus. That's our hope, whatever that looks like. In my job, in my, in my family, in my neighborhood, how am I working the mission in my context? Come on, you wanna write that down in your, in your notes. Fill in the blank, what do you do? What has God purposed you to do in your life? What job do you work? What neighborhood do you live in? What school do you attend? I want you to know that all of that is on purpose for a reason. You are there. God has blessed you and graced you to be where you are for his mission. And my hope is that you would wake up tomorrow morning, Monday, and you would wake up this week and you would say, God, how am I working the mission in my context? How am I doing anything short of sin to lead somebody to Jesus? So to point them to a father that loves them, that a God, uh, to a God that cares for them. My goal, my role as the local church, come on, I'm the hope of the world. I'm missional. I'm gonna equip them for the mission. I'm gonna send people on the mission. Come on, business owner, stay-at-home parent, banker, teacher, what does it look like in your context to work the mission? Work the mission, a missional church. It's his intent that through the church, through the church, that's you. Come on, let's get that into our mind this morning. That's me. Through the church, on my job, in my home, in my community, through the church, 
God's manifold wisdom would be shown through me. I'm on mission number three. Come on, the hope of the world is a generous church. A generous church. Come on, we're unified, we're on mission, and we are generous. John 3, 16, let's shed new light. Listen, for God so loved the world that he, real loud, let's say it together, that he, that he gave, that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The church, we are never more like Jesus than when we are giving. We're never more like Jesus than when we're giving. We are a generous church. How do we give? How we give reflects who we are. God so loved the world that he gave. I love the, there's a story in the New Testament famously called the, the widow's might, the story of the widow's might. Jesus is standing at the temple and everybody's bringing all these offerings in for the day and Jesus is looking at all these wealthy, wealthy people and he's like, man, they're, they're giving out of their abundance. But this one person here, she's given all that she had. And he told them, he said, who gave the greater? He's teaching his disciples. And they said, the woman who gave all that she had. And they didn't realize, they, they didn't understand at the moment that Jesus was all that God had. He bankrupted heaven. It wasn't just that he gave out of his abundance. God gave everything. He was a generous God. He so loved the world that he gave. We are never more like him as a local church, as the global church, than when we are operating in generosity. So what does that look like for us as a church? Since 2000 and, since 2011, we have helped plant over 600 churches and counting, and counting. We give generously as a local church to reach the world with the gospel. We give to missions firsthand in Mexico through Hunger House Ministries in Indonesia, in Ecuador. There is a church in Indonesia that exists and they're reaching thousands of people every week. Come on, because a church gave. We sent missionaries. We sent resources. We can send on mission. Our resources can go where we can't go physically. Did you know that? Like we can make a difference in the world. Food banks locally for the hungry. We've given locally to combat sex trafficking. We love shelter. Shelby County, no strings attached all of the time. We've get, we gave away huh, uh, lots and lots of food this past Tuesday to close to 1,000 people between here in Alabaster and, and Columbiana because of your generosity. When we give, we look like Jesus. Here's what I've learned. This is a principle I had to learn as a believer. I never, I don't give to the church. I give through the church. Our church is on mission. We're unified around a goal. God's called us to make a difference. We don't give to something. We are it. We give through the church. We can do more together than any of us could ever individually do by ourselves. Did you know that? We can do more together than any of us can ever do individually by ourselves. Can I tell you, by myself, I could have never sent missionaries to Mexico. By myself, I could have never helped plant a church in Indonesia. By myself, my generosity would have never planted 600 churches across the, uh, across the nation in the last eight years. By myself, I would have never been able to feed thousands of people all over Shelby County and bring benevolence and help in a dark place. That doesn't happen on my own by myself. But me, together, partnered with other people who call themselves the local church, we make an internal difference. Come on, we are the hope of the world. What would it look like if that statement became clear to us and we, instead of going, 
oh, man, we're the hope of the world. <laughs> God, you got a better plan because we're plan A and it doesn't look too great. What would it look like for us to stand up with boldness and say, yeah, that's right. We are the hope of the world. God's called us, and, man, we're going to make a difference in our city, a generous church, a generous church. So what does that look like? How does it look like for us to make a difference? I'm going to share with you what that looks like, all right? If we're generous, if we submit to God and we say, God, I'm going to live out your life. I'm, on, I'm unified around a vision. We're on mission. Come on, I'm going to be generous. Here's what my generosity looks like. My generosity, my giving expands the kingdom. It expands the kingdom. I love this. In Acts chapter 2, it's a, uh, an example of what happened through generosity. It says, and all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. Everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Come on, they were the church. They existed for the world, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. Listen, write this, underline this. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day, each day. Come on, every day, somebody was meeting Jesus. Why? Because somebody's generosity on their job, at their school, in their neighborhood, pointed people to Jesus. Come on, what would it look like for me on my job tomorrow to figure out a way to, to, live, a, to live a generous, to expand the kingdom daily? My giving opens the door of opportunity for people to receive Jesus. Wouldn't you know this? Thousands of people have started a relationship with Jesus at Cultivate Church over the last eight years because of a gracious God and a generous, committed people. We are the church. We exist for the world. When you give, it expands the kingdom. It opens doors of opportunity for people to hear the gospel. Here locally and nationally and internationally, we will see people in heaven that we've never met physically. We've never met physically because we gave generously. There will, be a, there will be addresses in heaven marked on our generosity because our giving expands the kingdom. Number two, I love this one, my giving advances. It advances. Not only does it expand right here where we are, but it advances the kingdom. I love this, 2 Corinthians 9, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. What is that? God blesses us to be a blessing. Yes, you will be enriched in every good way. Why do you want to enrich me in every good way, God? Why do you want to do that, God? Why? So that you can always be generous. He blesses us to be a blessing. Come on, I love this. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Listen to this. You want to underline this, verse 12. So two good things result from the ministry of giving. The needs of people will be met, and then they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Two things happen when we give. We meet needs where we can't go physically, and people meet Jesus. That's two things. That happens every time we get, we advance the kingdom. There's kids in Mexico and Juarez that didn't know Jesus, that now they'll get to know Jesus because you sent. There are Buddhists and Hindus. There are people being baptized in the dead of night in Indonesia because you sent missionaries to send the gospel. Where we can't go physically, we're sending people through our generosity. The kingdom of God advances at the rate of the generosity of believers. Did you know that? 
At the rate of our generosity, we can advance the kingdom. When we commit to living for eternity and giving generously, the gospel advances advances. We have opportunities at our church. We have opportunities here. God opens doors of opportunities through Hunger House to open more uh, um, facilities, to open to advance and help more kids. We have opportunities here in Alabaster to expand our facilities. Come on, give our kids a little room to breathe so that we can reach one more family that knows Jesus, reaching more people. We have opportunities through the Vine Network at our, that we oversee as a church. 1,500 pastors a month quit the Minister, we have opportunities to change that statistic. It's opportunities, opportunities. We have opportunities to plant more churches, but we can only advance at the rate of our generosity. Our generosity. We set the pace. God gives the vision. We set the pace at our ability to advance through our giving. And then, number three, if you're taking notes, this one's huge. My giving highlights the kingdom, it highlights it. Come on, it expands it. The gospel goes to people because of it. It advances it, and then it highlights it. This is why he says this in 2 Corinthians 8. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, come on, in your love for us, in your incredible logos, in your incredible stuff, things, man, since you excel in your incredible marketing abilities, since you excel in all of these things, I want you to also excel in this gracious act of giving. Excel, excel. Come on, everybody say that word, excel. One, two, three. Excel, not halfway, not almost, not, oh, just good enough. Excel in this gracious act of giving. Why? Because I never look more like Jesus than when I'm giving. The kingdom is no greater highlighted on this earth than when we are generous. The brightest light that we can shine on Jesus in this world is through our generosity. Did you know that? The greatest amount of light that we can shine on Jesus is through our giving. So when I give, it highlights the goodness of God. It causes people to respond to his grace. Two things, what do we say? Just said it, two things will happen. Needs will be met and people will thank God. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about my retirement, it's about Jesus. It's not about what I can do here and now. I'm choosing to look at life through the lens of eternity. Jesus said, you come to give me life and life to the fullest so that I can be a blessing. Come on, where are you in the context of your life? Some of you own businesses, some of you are teachers, some of you operate in the city, some of you are stay-at-home parents, but can I tell you, whatever you're doing is for this single purpose, to highlight Jesus through your life. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. That he gave. When I give, it highlights him. I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Listen, our band's going to come. Nothing funny or weird is going to happen. I just want to pray with you. Maybe you're here today. You're a result of someone else's generosity. The goodness of God and the generosity of someone else. I want you to know today, you could look around. Maybe you're new today. You could look around here and you could see people across every worship experience and you'll, never, you'll not see one person on go number one at this thing. 
We're not a perfect people. We're a unified people. We're not the perfect church. We just want to be missional church. We don't get it right all the time, but I'm going to tell you what, we're going to be a generous church. If they, if, if my generosity points people to Jesus, that's all I want people to see. So God, give me open doors of opportunity for people to see Jesus. Maybe you're here today and this is your opportunity to see Jesus. Come on, it happened through generosity. God so loved the world. That's you and me. He knew every crazy decision you and I would ever make. He knows you more than you know you. He knows me more than I know me. And here's what still always baffled my mind, even as a follower of Jesus. God, you know me and you still so loved me. You know me like nobody knows me. You know the bad part of Brandon. Like you know the stuff and you still so loved me. He loved you so much that he bankrupted heaven. Come on, there's not a, there's not a terminology in the God. The gospel is a financial terminology. He redeemed you. He purchased your salvation. This isn't something that, like, there had to be a transfer for you. And today I want you to know it was already been paid. It's already been bought. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to accomplish anything to receive the grace of God in your life. It's already been paid for. There's a God that loves you so much that he gave everything in hopes that he could get you, wants relationship with you. Maybe you're here today and that's you. I want to invite you to pull that connect card out that we spoke about moments ago. On it, it says there's a spot, there's a place on it that says I'm committing my life to Christ. I want to encourage you. Hey, listen, the greatest decision you could ever make in your life is to put him first to trust him as your savior. And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right where you are. And maybe you're here today and you say, man, that's, and based on what I'm hearing today, God so loved the world that he gave. I'm a believer. I've trusted in Jesus, but man, I've, I've struggled living on mission. I've struggled living unified. Father, give us sense to follow your word. Father, we love you today. God, thank you for my friends. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that you loved us enough that you sacrificed your life. You purchased our salvation. Thank you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, that you lived a perfect sinless life and you died on a cross and you came back to life conquering death, hell, and the grave, ransoming me, purchasing my salvation, and I accept it. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. And from this day forward, I follow you as my Lord. Take control of my life. Let me live a life on purpose that honors you. Give me purpose in my life, in my day-to-day, in my marriage, in my finances, in my resources, in my relationships. Give me purpose to live for eternity. And for my friends today, God, maybe they've trusted you. Jesus, maybe they're following you, but maybe that sense of reality has escaped them. Father, I pray that today, that together we're a unified church. We're missional. And God, we're gonna be generous together. Church, in the place I attend, it's a thing that I am. I am 
the church. We are a family. We do more together than we can do apart. You have called us to make a difference in Shelby County, in our families, in our jobs. Use us for your glory. God, help us to advance the kingdom. Help us to highlight you more than we highlight anything else. God, this week that we would live on mission for you. Get all of the glory out of our lives. Get all of the honor out of our lives. Together, we commit as Cultivate Church on this corner, in this county, that as this local church, this small piece of the, of the larger church, God, that we would live so on mission that people so united together that the world would see you and that you love them like you love us. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate that together? Come on. Come on. We can do better. Let's honor him today.